Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Hello there. Welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. And I am Ben. You are you. That makes this stuff they don't want you to know. Uh, guys, we had a, we had a pretty cool response to our shout out corner. Really? Yeah. Was it people asking for shout outs? (laughs) It was. In fact, it is. Uh, do, do we want to do it one more time? Shout out corner. Nice. Right, yeah, that was good. We're still feeling out the theme song. So our first shout out today goes to, uh, Jeremy Seth Brauner. Uh, Jeremy said, could you guys give an on-air shout out to my wife and I, Jeremy and Chantel, who just celebrated our one year wedding anniversary? Very nice. Congratulations. Slow clap for yes, Jeremy and Chantel. Made it yeah. a year. That's that's not an easy accomplishment, guys. Mm-hmm. You did it. Ninety five percent of small businesses, I think, can't make it a year. Especially restaurants. Restaurants. It's a cutthroat industry. But congratulations, Jeremy. Congratulations, Chantel. And uh, we've got another shout out for our shout out corner. This one is to Jay Collins. Uh, he says, "Conspiracy stuff." When you asked your listeners for what kind of skinwalker they'd want to be, I'm the one who said a duck. Hashtag shout out corner. <laughs> the next one goes out to Holly, aka Kawaii50, aka Girl Ghost. <laughs> uh, shout out to you, Holly. Uh, yeah. And also, uh, Holly, you bribed us. You said, I will send you boys a gift for the studio. Uh, if I guess if we give you a shout out. So, uh, the ball's in your court, my friend. Shout out as currency. I like it. Shout out as currency, you guys. This might be as big as Ben Bucks. Oh, which I'm still working on. Right. So uh, thank you so much, yeah. Holly. That's a very nice view. And it would be cool. I, I don't know what you guys want. I've had a couple of things on my mind. I want it just a surprise. Yeah. You know? Okay. Surprise is good. By which I, I don't mean like feces in a box or something. I mean, like that would be awful. Thanks for shouting me out. Here's some poop. <laughs> well, you know, it's a big world, Matt. People have different values. <laughs> uh, but actually, to, on a serious note, uh, we're not expecting anything when we give a shout out. It's just a shout out corner. It's just a chance for us to introduce on air uh, listeners to each other. It's just a fun thing we like to do. Mm-hmm. That's right. And one day I will get my boat back. 
Thank you. Thank you, Holly. <laughs> and speaking of, oh yeah, that's right. They did treat that as well. Uh, and speaking of fun times and astonishing segues, uh, have you guys ever spent time on a farm or visited or? I, you know, mine's probably the weakest of, of, of our stories, but I, I did take a uh, field trip when I was in elementary school to a dairy farm. And I don't know. I just remember thinking that cows were very strange creatures to be close to. Because oh, yeah. it's like on the one hand, you think they're dumb and they don't really care about what's going on as long as they've got, what is it, cud, you know, something to, mm-hmm. to chew, some grass Ooh. with on which to munch. Um, but then you look at them and, so, and you get the sense that, there might be something going on, you know. Uh, they might know something that we don't know. <laughs> no, that's, that's that's really interesting. That stayed with me. I'm not kidding. No, that, I'm, that, I I would agree with you. As a kid, I had an elementary school friend who his grandparents lived in a very rural area in Georgia mm-hmm. here, and there were just there's just farmland that just or not even farmland, just pastures really, mm-hmm. and they would just expand out. And what we would do is go grab like makeshift swords out of wooden sticks and stuff and just kind of travel along around on this huge acres and acres. It sounds like you had a magical childhood, man. It was pretty dope. Ooh. Yeah. God, I mean, no, nothing, uh, technological to ground me while I'm out there exploring. It was cool. Uh, but one of the things, one of the other areas of land that was there, somebody else's land, they had cows. They had, uh, Ooh. there were a couple horses and stuff like that. They were just roaming around. And one of the things that struck me when we were talking about this is what you just said. Uh, they seem to be extremely gentle. I never actually got close enough to touch them, but they would just kind of hang out by the fence uh-huh. and like look at you. But they would look at you, you know, and just kind of like, hmm. You know, cows only moo out of distress. And apparently, I read this somewhere, maybe I heard it as a sinister thing, a serial killer character said in a television show. Uh-huh. Not 100% sure. Mm-hmm. But apparently, one reason that they moo is they're mourning their slaughtered children whoa you think they know that well cows are sapiens cows do have intelligence uh maybe not necessarily wisdom i i have a similar uh, experience in my personal life which as you guys know i rarely talk about on air but this might be enjoyable uh so in one of the places i was living it uh it was adjacent to a Fairly small cattle operation, but when you're a kid, everything's bigger. So we jump the fence and go, uh, exploring in that area and sneaking into the farm late at night. I don't know what the statute of limitations is on this, but we never caused any physical damage, right? And I, I think cow tipping is a, is a dangerous thing for the cow, but we had invented a sport we called cow fishing, which is that we would go into, um, into where the, the cattle were set up for the night, get onto the second floor and then take an ear of corn and tie fishing line around it and then tie it to a stick. And then we would go to the, um, we would lean over <laughs> where the, you know, the cow was sleeping and then we would sort of tap it on its head and it would look left and it would look right. And we're trying to figure out if they could look up. We didn't know much about cows. And then we would extend this uh, ear of corn in front of the cow's face so that the the cow could see it. And listeners, you probably, unless you have psychic powers, can't see it right now, but I'm gesticulating this thing. I'm explaining it non-verbally as well to our friends Noel and Matt here. Uh, so I would extend this ear of corn out where the cow could see it. And I would keep it far away because I was a stupid kid and I wanted to see what they would do. And that's how I discovered that cows have disturbingly long, uh, almost prehensile tongues because the, the tongue comes out and then it wraps. I see it like wrap around this ear of corn and I freak out and I drop the thing and I ran away and I haven't been back since. You know, that's how in the game Minecraft you are able to ride animals, which consist of pigs and cows and horses, I think. Um, you have to fashion a fishing pole and put a carrot on the end of it, and then you, you mount the uh, farm animal and you, you fish. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. It's true. I have never played Minecraft. It's a fun game. Is that I, a good game? I, I like it. I just have to say, I can imagine that being terrifying. Uh, the, a cow doesn't seem like an animal that would have a tongue like that, I guess, in your mind, maybe, sure. especially yeah. as a kid. 
I'm not like a, you know, a cow professor. It's also uh, real purple and spitty. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a pretty intense <laughs> thing. It looks like some sort of like mutant slug from like a sci-fi movie. But, mm. uh, but we do know that cattle are intelligent. That's one thing that's coming up in all three of our stories. We do know that these animals have the ability to, uh, have their own personalities, right? To remember other members of their, of their peer group, or if you want to say their family structure, their, their tribe. Uh, and we know that there are a heck of a lot of them. Do you know how many? Yeah. Uh, thanks for asking. <laughs> uh, as of January 1st, 2015, according to the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, there are 89.8 million cows in the U.S. And that's actually up from January of 2014, mm-hmm. uh, a whole percent. A whole 1%. <laughs> uh, this, this translates to a $44 billion industry. Uh, this also means that, uh, you know, these cows are broken up. Some are milk cows. Most are beef cows, right? And you can clearly, listeners, tell. Well, because after all, it is what's for dinner. It is. It is. You mean the beef, right? Not milk. The beef. Milk. It's what's for dinner. Mm, That's all we have. Gross. Fried <laughs> milk steak. So gross. So with this huge industry with this livestock we are I, I don't want to enter into too much of the the argument over whether or not it's right to eat animals that's maybe a different show but we're just establishing that these things are everywhere you if you live in the US have probably at some time at the very least gone by a cow field a cow pasture right uh and the funny thing is that every so often on these ranches in these pastures when they call the cows home not all of them show up and that is what today's episode is about for anyone who just didn't read the title of the episode <laughs> it's about the cattle to get maybe stranded or just oh one straight a little too far away from the herd mm-hmm. and then it's like homeward bound the movie but with like a cow i would love that who would it trying si- to find its way home who would its sidekicks be it would be a precocious pig I love and it. a perhaps uh, a, a fox, um, all with celebrity voices. The I only think, yeah. difference yeah. Okay. in uh, the Homeward Bound version uh-huh. of that and then the one that we're going to describe today is that it ends in evisceration, exsanguination, and uh, the death of the main character. Yeah, so what is cattle mutilation? Well, the typical definition of cattle mutilation is the killing um, and disfigurement, disembowelment, evisceration, shall we say, of cattle under anomalous or, you know, unusual kind of suspect circumstances. What? Like what? Uh, well, they often appear to be partially skinned or they have incisions that uh. appear to have been done with surgical precision, uh, which is pretty unusual. Uh. And often these animals are reported to have been exsanguinated or drained entirely of blood. Um, their soft parts, the eyes, their organs, sure. all the good gushy stuff. Yeah, the hindquarters. Yeah, are missing. Yeah, they're uh, sexual organs as well. Yeah, it's a pretty gruesome thing to have happened to anything, any uh, living being. Um, it's it's crazy, too. It's not just we're, we've been talking about cows this whole time. It's not just that cattle. Other livestock have experienced this kind of thing. You'll you'll see it in. I know sheep and goats have been mm-hmm. uh, it's been reported in those two in particular horses as well. Mm hmm. Yeah, uh, we, we've also, there's one case that we might get to today in 1994, which is an excellent example of this. But, but here's the deal. You've probably heard of cattle mutilations, right? Listeners, I mean, the X-Files is back on. People are, um, people are more likely now to check it out than they were previously. And, uh, we've often heard, what, what are the initial reports we've always heard, right? We've always heard like, oh, it's, uh, aliens. No, 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 my friend, that's a coyote. No, 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 no. It was somebody else. Yeah, that was a human. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think something that uh, distinguishes these cases from just a typical, um, animal mauling or an animal attack mm-hmm. is the nature of some of the wounds. I mean, I think, you know, a, a typical cattle, rancher farmer is experienced with wild animals and probably be aware of what it would look like if, um, say a coyote had attacked one of their animals. Right. Yeah. And that's a good point because 
ranchers see a lot of stuff and uh vets who work on on animals or with animals also see a lot of stuff and that's one of the big arguments we'll be getting to so uh, the various biologists and experts and law enforcement officers and ranchers investigating this over time have a number of like speculative causes right and um they're pretty much exactly what you're naming Natural predation, scavenging, human intervention, like lone killers. A.K.A. bored teenagers. <laughs> You're right. A.K.A. future domers, yep. you know. Uh, or what was that guy? Ed Gein? Gein? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the real-life inspiration for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Very disturbing stuff. Would love to do a show about that. And then there are the ideas of maybe humans, but not just some lone, unhappy kid. Uh who, you know what, on a side note, you would have to be a very, very, very strong, lone, unhappy kid to well, take you down have to some do your homework, animals. man. I mean, you can't just go in half-cocked and just, you know, knock out a cow and then go to town on its soft parts. I mean, you really have to come with a taser or some kind of like a maul, like uh-huh. one of those air guns. Tranquilization sure. would probably be the best move. Well, like yeah. one of those uh, air guns that, they, that the guy used in... um no country for old men. The that bolt that shoots used? the bolt. Yeah. yeah. Well, as as we're going to find a little later, that the the idea of any medicinal smell around one of these animals that's uh-huh. experienced this, yeah, or some kind of the surgical cuts, perhaps even. I don't know, man. There might be people working together on this. It might not be a lone person. Right. What if it's a cult? What if it is some sort of government agency or affiliated thing operating in secret? Exciting stuff, and we'll get to it. At this time, we have to say, though, that the the mainstream news and, and most of the stuff you're going to read or encounter when you look this up is, is going to argue that this is the result of what do we in the video? We had a good line. Um, Mankind's original and most brutal enemy nature <laughs> right yeah uh the the uh the first antagonist for this species but let's look at the timeline because although we might associate in here in the US uh cattle mutilation with something from the 70s or whatever the story of mutilating animals dates back way way Way, way further. Can you hear me going back? Yeah, you went so far back there. And the reason it goes back so far is because it isn't necessarily the slaughtering of an animal like this wasn't necessarily historically always for food. Right. There was another reason sometimes uh, you would slaughter an animal in a ritualistic manner to appease perhaps a god or gods. Did you guys ever watch the HBO series Rome? I have not. It's actually pretty good. Um, there's a scene though where one of the main female characters who is a very wealthy, um, head of a family, um, is trying to curry favor from the gods, uh, I believe to have her son, the life of her son spared, um, in battle. And she goes into this temple where a priest conducts this ritual wherein a bull is walked out onto a metal grate and um, basically slaughtered, gutted, and the blood pours down through the grate onto the character, and she is drenched in it, and uh, then walks up to the priest and says, your son will be spared. That's hot. <laughs> so, well, uh, uh, but blood, that, fresh blood is pretty hot. I guess, yes, in several levels. We're, we're both agreeing. And it's fascinating that you say that because this this is exactly what we're talking about when we're talking about sacrifice right um to gain fertility right for the gods to look favorably upon your next uh, endeavor in war or you want to save your son right and we know that this exists across multiple religions multiple places as matt said earlier we have some specific examples one is a practice that was called october horse or equus october in ancient Roman religions, what, what would happen is there would be these three, uh, days of like racing, chariot racing. And during one of these races, which always occurred, uh, on the Ides of October, October 15th, uh, the winners of the two horse chariot race would sacrifice their right hand horse. Uh, and this was, uh, propitiation to, uh, I believe the god Mars. Wow. 
It's strange, but that's not the only thing. And this is why, Noel, your example of the showroom is so good because it's based on some real life stuff that happened in Rome, right? Our next example is that in the age of the Roman Empire, worshippers also sacrificed bulls. Da bulls. Da bulls. Wow. <laughs> and, and they did this so often that we even have a word for it. And it is our word of the day, or I guess word of the week, since this is a weekly podcast. Tarobolium. Ah! More like. Yeah. That was the Pee Wee Herman thing. I got it. Yeah. Because every time you say it, you got to go crazy. Yeah. But that was the bull going crazy. mm -hmm, uh, And then getting sacked. That's strange. To me, that that's a lot of street cred when something happens so often that there is a specific word for it. Well, maybe listeners throughout this podcast, uh, you know, you can play along at home. And when we say. Terrobolium. Ah! Ah! Cool. That was great. It also, uh, this sacrificial, uh, rite, it uh-huh. kind of carried on in several other religions. In Judaism, you had the Korban, which was a whole set of sacrificial offerings, uh, that are there. They're also in, I believe in Christianity and Islam, there are different, there are different offerings. Some of them, are sacrificial in nature. Some of them are symbolically sacrificial in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you go back to the Old Testament, specifically in Christianity, you can find some sacrificing going on. And there was a lot of specifics, too. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you would sacrifice a lamb for a certain type of favor and, you know, mm-hmm. a goat perhaps for another. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, the language of sacrifice. I like the the title of that. It, that That could be the title of something, The Language of Sacrifice. Not as a book, but what an album that would be. Yeah, dude. Uh, and I, I wonder, are you, if, in case you're listening to the show, Radiohead, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, so the uh, this is a great point that you're making, Noel, because anytime this had a religious angle to it, uh, it wasn't just that I'm killing the right animal. Well, it was super, super important. It was also what day, what time mm-hmm. am I killing this animal? How? Right? Am I saying the right words? Are we wearing the correct vestments? Highly ritualized. Highly ritualized. Um, and this is important. The reason we're talking about this today is because as we look at modern cattle mutilation, this is one way in which we could differentiate between the random acts of a predator and the um, purposeful or stylized even um, machinations of a human being. Or, or a group of human beings. Or a group of human beings. Or a group of extraterrestrial. Spoiler alert. So, early reports. Just go through this this part pretty quickly. Early reports. Uh, if you like our show, you may also be a fan of a magazine uh, called the Fortean Times. Fortean Times, which is a magazine reporting on fringe theories and the paranormal, is named after a guy named Charles Fort, who was an early paranormal researcher. And he actually conducted a little bit of uh, cursory research into mutilations of livestock in the U.S., which is how we know that these kind of reports date back as far back as the late 19th century. And that's fascinating to, to have it go back that far. I didn't know much about Charles Fort in the Fortean times. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, I have Unfort- seen it. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. <laughs> yes, but I've, I've seen it all over the place and it mentioned specifically the forum, the Fortean times where people will discuss the topics that we are generally looking up. Mm-hmm. But I had no real understanding of the backstory. But we did, in in making this video for this week, I found some old books and one in particular that, would, that is referenced here is called Low, L-O- Ex- exclamation mark. Oh yeah. Like and lo it, and behold. Yes, it, precisely. And it has several, several different topics that it goes through. And one of the coolest things, the chapters are full on sentences, which is kind of neat. Uh, I, I appreciated that a lot. And we, we know that despite these reports, this was not an issue of national concern for a while. The, this would be instead a lurid story that's in a, on the, below the fold in your newspaper, sure. right? That is until in 1967, 
Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. So in 1967, this phenomenon reached the mainstream when um, a lady by the name of Agnes King and her son Harry found that their mare, Lady, had been gruesomely murdered, mutilated, partially skinned, uh, defleshed, shall we say, around the neck and head. And Lady had also been exsanguinated, drained of all of her blood. The classic version of a cattle mutilation. Right. In 1967. Yeah, it's too bad. It, uh, and it occurred, just for everyone's curious, it occurred in September of 67. So this is not, doesn't have a one-on-one connection with the old practice of the October horse. But that's a question that, uh, you probably had as well. This garnered this attention. It was uh, reported in the Pueblo Chieftain. It was in Colorado. And after this reported, uh, this is where Agnes's son, Harry, is the one who reported that strong mm-hmm. medicinal odor, which will come into play later. Concerns over these so-called mysterious mutilations of livestock went on as the years grew. And uh, eventually, it reached the ears of representatives of the government. So in 1975, a guy uh, named Floyd K. Haskell, a Colorado senator, reaches out to the FBI for help. He said there have been reports of mutilations in nine states, and as far as he could tell, there were 130 cases of livestock mutilation in Colorado. Now, this is something, our timeline gets a little fuzzy here because I'm not sure how aware 
uh, Senator Haskell was at the time that the ATF, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms, had conducted a study to see if there was any um, truth or veracity to cult involvement. And keep in mind, this is during a time when there was a, a burgeoning panic over possible satanic oh, cults yes. in the U.S., right? The satanic panic. The satanic panic, precisely, you know. And this, this ATF thing found that there, there really wasn't enough evidence to draw some kind of link like that. They just needed to know. And state level investigations differed, but also had, also had a lot of, uh, a lot of disturbing numbers, right? Uh, so, for instance, we get a lot of information from the New Mexico State Police's investigation, wherein uh, they found that there might be as many as 8,000, an estimated 8,000 cattle mutilations in uh, Colorado. And they didn't know for sure because, again, this is New Mexico State Police. But in 1979, the FBI compiles a lot of this stuff and, based on Haskell's recommendation, launches a project called Operation Animal Mutilation. Yeah, and they filed a report that was a full-on 297 pages long. And there are little excerpts of it that you can find online uh, through the Freedom of Information Act. Fascinating stuff. Uh, it's just it, a lot of it are just reports from uh, a rancher or someone who owns cattle. Why can't you get the whole thing? Uh, I think is it redacted? I have not seen the entire report in itself, but I have seen excerpts. You can view a lot of it online at the FBI's vault mm -hmm. website, mm -hmm. which is super useful, but also super irritating because they've just taken scans that in many cases are not very well done. Yeah. They've and just you can't search scan them. and posted. Yeah. And you can't search them by keyword, but I, you know, they're in a pickle of some sort because if they were just to type out or transcribe all of that in a ser searchable format, then I don't know about you guys. My first question would be, what did you leave out? They're basically meeting the minimum compliance, <laughs> right. level of compliance. Well, yeah, that's tax dollars. You'd have to pay some Absolutely. intern or some person like us to go through and actually write out the entire document. Oh, I know. So where does this leave us? The The guy who is in charge of this is a fellow named Kenneth Rommel. And he concluded, let me make sure I phrase this correctly, gentlemen. He concluded that the vast majority, pretty much all of these mutilations came from natural sources, predators, and then later scavengers. They're sort of the short round to the indie in terms of predators. Yeah, and I guess we're going to get into that a little later, just that concept of when a what happens to a body when a predator attacks it. We're going to tackle that later, right? Yes. Okay. Well, we'll hit, we'll hit on that in a minute. Okay. So, uh, one other thing I just want to mention, this is a little bit gruesome and I was on the fence about including it. Uh, in 1994, there was a mutilation case that was a little bit different. This stuff continues today. The 1994, there was a mutilation case is very similar to cow mutilation. However, it involved a, uh, human being. This is a disturbing case. We're going to let you know where you can learn more, but we're not going to spend too much time on it. What they found is that there were various signs of this, uh, of this body discovered that had, that, that were indicative of the same kind of mutilation conducted on cattle. So cut at the base of the ear, signs of brain removal, uh, both eyes plucked out. Uh, uh, cuts under the skin, removal of, uh, sexual organs, uh, incisions into the body to take, uh, various extremities or organ samples. And Matt, you have, uh, you have a, a place to point people. For yeah. This, right? There's a gentleman that you may already know named Richard D. Hall, who has covered this specific case before pretty extensively. He made a documentary length, like a full length documentary about this case mm -hmm. and some of the surrounding, uh, things that I guess are right on the fringes of it. And you can find that online. Uh, I would go to the YouTube channel, Rich, Rich, R-A-C-H Planet UK. That's where I found a couple clips and the full length documentary is available. He's got a website you can go to and check that out. Also, uh, I can't believe I forgot to mention this body was found on a small island in the Guarapiranga Reservoir, which is in the southern, uh, 
southern part of Sao Paulo, Brazil. So makes you wonder, and it leads us to, it leads us to the big thing, the, the question of the week, right? The causes. So yes. I'll start, I'll start with the, the easy one. Nature, predators, right? Coyote, yep. primarily wolves, bears, etc. Yet here's the thing. According to the Department of Agriculture, at least here in the U.S., only about 0.23% of cattle loss can be attributed to predation. That means that 0.23, right? Or 0. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, less than <laughs> one quarter of 1%. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what we're saying is that this is kind of an infrequent, an infrequent thing. Already. So the mundane cause is already infrequent. The inexplicable stuff is a smaller part of an even, of, of a very small subset, especially when we consider we're looking at 90 million cattle. Yeah. And especially if most of those cattle are in very controlled areas, right? They're, they're grouped together in large numbers many times. And there is this, the truth to safety in numbers when you have a large animal like sure. a cow. And uh, then it, it, let's say though, let's, that's, that's a great point. Let's say, a uh, cow does get taken down. Wolf, bear, mountain lion, I don't know. Let's just have a predator for the sake of argument. You, you got one? Ocelot. Okay, let's say for some reason a particularly vicious ocelot <laughs> uh, manages to bring down a cow and it's just a, a, it's a rage kill. The ocelot kills it, eats a little bit, and then leaves to wreak further ocelot-related havoc. Then uh, the next step, however... Are the scavengers, you know, the buzzards, the rats, the insects, the coyote who show up late to the party. And it's interesting how these, these different scavengers will not, uh, just work alone, right? You're not just going to have buzzards attacking something. You may, they might finish the whole job, but there's probably going to be some meat left. Then you get the rats. Who would stop the insects? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then, uh, well, it's interesting too, because some of the ranchers, uh, that have been interviewed, about cattle mutilation, uh, some of them maintain that the weirdest thing is that scavengers won't touch the bodies, which is an interesting proposition. Now, not everybody says that, but it leads us to some of the weirder alleged causes. And the the last thing that I just have to bring up here are the the bacteria, the microorganisms that go to town after an animal has died like that, uh, especially when you've got you know, the bowels of an animal that kind of begin eating itself from the inside out. Uh, it occurs like it, sadly very quickly after the point of death, the body begins to deteriorate interiorly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the reasons that you see, you know, when people talk about how the sex organs and the, the butt was, it was all just completely gone and eaten mm-hmm. out in the face and the mouth where all the bacteria grows. It's just an interesting thing to point out. It does occur naturally. I see what you're saying. Yeah, that's a valuable point to make. The Let's go straight to the weird stuff. All right. Aliens, extraterrestrials, E.T., flying across the impassable chasm of time and space. To this tiny little mote of dust that's just flying around. To, uh, to I guess, for the sake of science, uh, eviscerate some animals. I mean, yeah. You got to find out what's going on down here. It's it isn't. It would be incredible to find life on a planet if you're just flying around the cosmos looking for life, and all of a sudden, oh my gosh, there is one. That's a you know what? That's a really good point because it makes me think that of what we as humans would do when we're traveling uh, to another planet and we encounter uh, another life form. Probably not on purpose, but definitely it's in the cards that we would just kill the shit out of it. Remember that episode of the Twilight Zone where there are these like benevolent alien Mm -hmm. overlords that come to Earth and they're taking groups of humans up to their home planet little by little. And there's the one guy who's like against it and Uh he thinks, you know, something fishy's going on. And it turns out that they're actually sending humans to their home planet so that they can harvest them or like, you know, what's the word, uh, you know, like cattle basically, like they yeah. use them as a food Fatten source. Them and yeah. use them as a food source. Yeah. And that blew my mind because it's a good twist. Oh yeah. No, look, we had a, we had a letter before where somebody, um, 
somebody freaked out a little bit because they thought we were giving them spoilers for a show. So before I say anything else, if you somehow think that it would be wrong to discuss an episode of The Twilight Zone from back before television was in color, then please (laughs) pause for the next two minutes while we talk about something that I assure you everyone else already I already spoiled it, though. Well, the great thing is that that particular episode has been kind of echoed throughout popular media. Are you kidding? Like, Twilight Zone invented, like, almost every, like, Shyamalanian twist possible, (laughs) you know? There were so many many great ones. The reason I bring that up, though, is if there were aliens involved or some sort of extraterrestrial and you know it's easy to be flippant and say oh well if there are these highly evolved technologically advanced um extraterrestrials why would they bother flying you know millions of miles to earth mm-hmm. just to you know cut up some cows right you know what if they're fascinated by the fact that we have these animals that we use for no other reason than to keep them in a pen, fatten them up and use them to, you know, subsist on. Maybe Mm. they're kind of trying to figure out how to do that for themselves. You know, maybe there's something they lack in their uh, society that they require, you know, some version of what we have as a species, you know, I love that angle. Yeah. That's a good angle. We, we have, we need cattle. And it makes it, it makes me think also as well, one of the old problems often encountered in science fiction speculation, right? Speculation about alien life is technology and, and technological evolution. So what if there are, what if there is some sort of life form there that is just streets ahead of us, galaxies ahead of us, maybe in terms of space travel, but in other ways doesn't have a technology that we would consider rather elementary. I mean, not I, fire. Maybe they don't have fire. That's that's a pretty basic one. And, and, and maybe maybe they're cutting them open and taking these parts back so that they can test them and see if it's something that they could even survive on. It's just a thought. I'm just you know playing just spitballing. spitballing here. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a good point. What do you think about cryptids, though? The idea that some unid as of yet unidentified animal could be responsible for this. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, 
So does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. Certainly would account for why we don't recognize the means of um, uh, of the kill, the, 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 the way that the animal is killed, that it, it's drained of blood. And that is not something we typically see in animals that we are scavengers or predators that we're aware of. Yeah. You know one, what I mean? Yeah. One rancher said that place... One rancher said that, uh, the cow, the cow that he had discovered killed, uh, had about 11 pounds of blood. How would a predator eat 11 pounds of blood by, like, by itself or get rid of all of it? You know? Well, maybe it was a goat sucker. Maybe that's, maybe that's what it specializes in. Oh, that's what I'm saying. I mean, if, if it's some as yet unidentified creature, it would likely have equipment, shall we say, that we are not familiar with, you know, and something that would that it would take to drain a large animal of all of its blood would certainly be something outside of a coyote or a fox or, you know, a typical scavenger. Like coyote predator. with a straw, huh? Yeah. That sounds like some real koi dog. I drink, your, I drink your milkshake. I drink your milkshake. Oh, boy. Now, so, yeah, yeah, as you're saying. Okay, guys, Uh he, here we go. We're 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 doing the turn now. As much as I love speculating about this stuff and about the possibility of aliens and why they would want to come down and study cows, because perhaps they are a higher advanced bovine version. Maybe that's what the aliens are. I have to say, and we have to move on to the idea that there is a human element somehow involved here, because I think it's a little more plausible. Humans know how to drink milkshakes. I have been in this room the entire time. (laughs) Hello. Hello. I just want to establish that. So that's, I mean, that is a great point though, because we know it's completely, not only is it plausible, but it has happened before. We have an industry built on the practice of humans killing and mutilating animals. These are, (laughs) this is, uh, the, the cattle mutilation that occurs now is different because it is not part of that system. Mm-hmm. And it also doesn't seem to be, I mean, it's certainly not beneficial to the cattle or the ranchers, possibly the animals doing it. But we, the point is, we do know that humans have the ability to kill, uh, to kill livestock and to do so in a variety of ways. We talked about the burgeoning serial killers and I, it led me to a question that I wanted to ask you guys. Do you think it would be possible to explain some of these things by Checking for areas known for cattle mutilation and seeing if they correlate to the stomping grounds of serial killers or the hometowns of people who would later become killers. That's fascinating. Well, yeah. But it's such a needle in the haystack because there are so few apprehended serial killers. Yeah, we have no idea where they're lurking. Well, it's also one of those things where um, a burgeoning serial killer, shall we say, um, who knows how long they might just mutilate animals before they actually move on to actually killing, you know, humans. That's a good point. They could do it for years just, just to practice. Just maybe they're trying to, um, not take it to the next level. And so they're, you know, satisfying that urge just by killing Mm. animals in this way. Dark passenger kind of. That's exactly right. Especially the, the ones with the surgical incisions and that whole medicinal smell thing weirds me out so much. It makes me think there's someone practicing, not necessarily even killing like serial killing, but wanting to practice some kind of medical, uh, I don't know. I was going to say, I was going to say maneuver. Maneuver uh, isn't quite the right word, but just procedure. Pra- uh, well, yeah, I guess it would be a procedure. Practicing a procedure on a, a, a cow. Well, he, this is, this is interesting because from the skeptical side of it, what I've seen is that numerous people say 
the effects of scavengers or bloating and dehydration can cause the skin to split in a way that looks as if it were an extremely clean cut. However, the ranchers who, you know, own these, these, um, cattle will say that they've seen a lot of stuff and that they know the difference between somebody with a hunting knife or an animal attack or a, uh, scalpel. And you can see people trying to reproduce the effects of this. And not doing the best job, mm. which is why we hear the old stories about lasers, which has not been proven. But it's all, it's another one of those weird things where you hear about increased signs of heat, like there was a heat source mm-hmm. near the cattle or that there was a, um, even readings of radiation, slightly higher radiation. Mm. And wouldn't a laser cauterize as it cuts? Yeah. So it burn a little. Yeah. That's a really good point. Um, I don't know. I haven't seen any confirmation of that, but we do need to put that idea in the show. What I have seen, a little bit more credible confirmation or allegation rather, is uh, in the state level enforcement reports, they do talk a little bit about cults. Yeah, they do. They talk about hooded figures. I think one one person in particular discussed how they or they made an official report of how they were stopped in the road, there's a roadblock with 15 or so hooded people mm-hmm. in black hoods in particular. October of 1975. Yeah. And they had to turn around and go away. And, and it just so happened that this was an area where cattle mutilations had been reported at a higher than regular mm-hmm. uh, rate. And in September, uh, the same year, another resident of Idaho, a Blaine County Forestry Service employee, also reported seeing a group of figures in black hooded robes. The next day, they found several mutilated cattle. Dude. Uh, this one, I love this one. Well, what's interesting is that these are reports that were made to law enforcement. Mm-hmm. So this is not just some internet story that people are telling each other. It's not a spooky story to tell in the dark. We do have to keep in mind, though, that there was widespread, I don't want to say hysteria. It's, satanic mm-hmm. panic is yeah. the perfect phrase. Uh, to, to use your earlier phrase, Noel, but it doesn't necessarily mean there were cults, but it, it is very strange. It's anomalous. Yeah. I, I don't know. The thought of a group of people getting together who have decided that they want to, I don't know, practice a religion, an older religion, perhaps mm-hmm. in the middle of Idaho in the country. Bring somewhere. back Moloch. I mean, that. I, that sounds fun to me. I know that sounds awful, probably even me saying that to many of you, but I, oh, really, I don't know. it sounds fun. I, yeah, I think that's a, okay, not necessarily the animal sacrifice angle or that segment of it, but the idea of having an older religion kind of revived. Yeah. I don't know. It feels very Twilight Zone y to me. Feels <laughs> and like I love you're it. Very close to Bohemian Grove. Yes. I want to go so badly. The cremation of care. Is that the name mm-hmm. of their, their weird, owl effigy burning thing it is thank you alex jones for getting video of that yeah that was that was a good move on his part it was very strange to see that it makes me think of um you know uh, i did this documentary about the georgia guidestones which is a topic mm-hmm. that we have yet to uh really unravel which oh, i think we, I can't we wait. need to we need to you have to take that field trip though yeah no we should um but anyone who doesn't know the guidestones are sort of a stonehenge-esque uh, array of granite slabs that are um, inscribed with these sort of uh, commandments or kind of like a new world order, like a post-apocalyptic mm-hmm. rallying point, shall we say, in this meadow um, in Elberton, Georgia, which is not terribly far from where we are in Atlanta. But um, one of the theories about these stones, uh, since the person who financed and um, had them erected uh, maintained his anonymity throughout the whole process. Mr. And, Christian. And Mr. R.C. Christian. But there were stories about how, you know, as tends to happen when there's secrecy involved, people's imaginations run wild. And there were a lot of accounts of animal sacrifice. I actually interviewed a pastor at a nearby church for the documentary, and he swears up and down that there he rode by the site and saw people in hooded you know, hooded figures, um, laying down rose petals and lighting candles and doing these like solstice type rituals. Whoa. And he said that, um, when he started speaking out about it in his community at his church, people would place slaughtered goat carcasses at his, uh, you know, doorstep at his home and at the church, et cetera. Um, but point being, I think he was a little bit, shall we say, 
exaggerative in his oh, accounts. Okay. And I think it's probably very likely that he did see some hooded figures, uh, mm. but they were probably, like you say, some folks kind of practicing sort of like a neo-pagan kind of religious, uh, you know, yeah. um, ritual, I could mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, it happens even here in, you know, in, in Georgia and uh, in rural areas, they're very attractive to folks that are wanting to do that because they want to go out and be close to nature mm-hmm. and where there aren't many people around. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, I could imagine people did see hooded figures associated with some of these things. And, you know, I mean, there's always more insidious versions of these kind of rituals. And perhaps there was some animal sacrifice involved, as we talked about with Rome. You know, Uh like, why is it uh, any less likely that a newer version of a pagan religion, like what they practiced in Rome, wouldn't do the same thing? Are we profiling cults, you guys? Kind of. I guess we are. Well, I think the term cults is sort of like a odd <laughs> catch-all too, because it's I mean, it's a pejorative, right? Yeah. Absolutely, because again, if we're talking about is are, if you're a pagan, are you in a cult? Right. Is any more than if you're a Christian? Yeah, one person's cult is another person's true religion. Right. Right. Uh, and I think the you know we've talked a little bit about this. Just to reiterate, with a word like cult, one of the things that happens is it is a word that springs up in opposition to something mm-hmm. else. So cults are usually depicted as being in opposition to a larger religious doctrine, somehow underground. So is it possible? Is it possible that there is a group of people or several groups of people ritualistically murdering animals as part of a, a religious practice? If that's true, if that's the case, and if they own the cattle, then it legally is a very interesting situation because is it a right to practice religion? Is it animal cruelty? Does, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where does it, where does it fall amongst all of these different categories? Mm -hmm. And what's with the secrecy? I want to know. Uh, but there, there's another group that some people might also call a cult, uh, that have been alleged to participate in this. And that is the church of uncle Sam. And for a fascinating reason. Okay, so it's been alleged that perhaps the United States government, some facet of it, is sacrificing, not, they're not sacrificing, they're killing these animals in order to conduct experiments to track disease. In particular, bovine spongiform encephalopathy, or mad cow disease, which took me, um, which, which took me forever to pronounce correctly in the, in our video. It was but, great though. <laughs> I'm right, making what? a face. I'm making, a face. You're making a face. I just, why would the government creep in in the night and do this to some poor rancher without compensating him for the loss mm-hmm. of his, his livestock? I mean, we have things like the CDC, you know, we have the USDA, they have facilities where they can test animals and they can take samples and they send out, you know, uh, representatives that will take samples or if they, yeah. you know, need to test a specific cow in a specific area from a specific herd, I can't imagine they wouldn't clear it with the owner and, you know. These are good questions, but then also to add some, uh, to add some more questions to, uh, the fire we are building for our own weird podcast god here, uh, let's also consider, um, Let's, if this were true, why would they do it in secret? That's, that's the big question to me. Would it be, um, because there would be a ma- a public panic if they said, Hey, we're like one missed cow mutilation away from an outbreak of, uh, this, this terrible disease? I think we all remember the mad cow disease. There were freakouts that happened quite frequently in the nineties. Do you guys remember that? Yeah, and I guess maybe, you know, to to your point, uh, it would be more effective to pull out the bits on site rather than to load up the whole cow, right? Right. Or would the, it? I don't know. Again, don't they have trailers for these kind of things? They do. They have unidentified black helicopters, which uh, several police officers in New Mexico and Utah have also reported seeing or unidentified craft. But mm-hmm. here's here's the thing that I can't get past. If it is government if it if it is big brother conducting this kind of research then what about the mutilations that occur in other countries and other parts of the world what um you know what is the incentive for uncle sam and the various other uh governmental authorities to conduct these experiments i mean no the questions that you ask are still the ones that are stuck in my head i'm i'm convinced based on what 
based on what a lot of these ranchers have said, I'm convinced that there is something anomalous. Whether that is a perfect storm of predation, scavenging, and circumvent environment, or whether that is some, you know, group of really screwed up college kids. What if it's a combination of all of the things we've touched on? <laughs> except for except I don't know, the aliens, aliens, the aliens maybe aliens okay. too can't say all the things I'll say all right that. all the things in aliens but what if it's like happening here and there you know because if it's happening globally then it's probably not just one cause what if the aliens the serial killers and the government mm. are all working together to f- up them cows and there's the cult <laughs> worships the same thing and then it's all oh. I like I like picturing it instead like an awkward meeting uh where people aren't expecting to run into each other so you know picture like a a, a far side cartoon cow yes. it's in a field and realize it's it's alone and then like a mountain lion comes out and then like three people in black robes come out and an alien lands and then Uncle Sam like in the red white and blue outfit <laughs> dude you should got to draw that i know now i know i don't want to tell on you but you're quite the cartoonist i think you should it's draw that funny. i think you is it Eric Larson or Lar- Gary, Larson. Gary Larson. Larson? Gary Larson. Gary Larson has some fantastic images with mm-hmm. aliens and cows. But can you imagine if they all ran into to each other when yeah. they gave the same cow? How do you decide that? <laughs> so good. Everybody's just playing rock, paper, scissors in the pasture. <laughs> oh, man. Since uh, it feels like we're wrapping up, I just, uh, in the interest of continuing with the um, iconic 90s cartoon talk, um, I just wanted to mention a comic series that we've mentioned several times, the Lock and Key series uh, by Joe. Hill and illustrated by Gabrielle Rodriguez. There is an issue in, I believe, the fourth trade collection where um, the uh, artist who drew and created the Calvin and Hobbes series, Bill Watterson, does a uh, kind of alternate reality version of the story, and it alternates between his art and Rodriguez's art. And it's just, it works so beautifully, and I can't recommend that series enough. Ben uh, bought the whole thing, and I've been kind of borrowing them from him here and there, and I'm working my way through it, and it's just so good. It's, it's pretty great. Can't and, recommend it and, uh, enough. And I love uh, that some some folks, uh, you out there in podcast land, have commented on our uh, love of comics and graphic novels. Please, if you have any suggestions, feel free to send them to us. Guys, if you're okay with it, uh, let's end on, uh, let's end on a local note for us. In January 27th of this year, a mutilation in Jackson County, which is, uh, close to, uh, some old stomping grounds of Athens, Georgia, uh, they reported a series of mutilations. Two cows. Right now, the uh, sheriff's office say, says that in at least one cow, they think um, scavengers caused the wounds, but they're not sure about the other one. So this remains something that people still talk about. There's a lot of stuff we didn't touch on today, but you can see some more in our video. You can also hear some more in the documentary that Matt recommended. Furthermore, if you want to learn more about this, you can check out our uh, podcast on Skinwalker Ranch. Yes. Skin, the podcast and the video, very good stuff. And please don't forget to check out our videos on cryptids. If you want to learn more about that angle, we've got the cult angle covered for you. It's all on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash conspiracy stuff. And if none of that strikes your fancy uh, and you want to just send a good old-fashioned electronic message, you can do so by writing to conspiracy at howstuffworks.com. One last note, you guys. Speaking of things that happened this past January, everyone out there listening, all three of us here, our podcast got over one million downloads uh, throughout January. Really? How cool is that? I just want to say thank you for listening to us, uh, you know, sit around this table. We enjoy it so much. And, you know, I hope that you enjoy it as much as we do. Here, here. Yeah, thank you for your time. And remember, this is your show. And at the end of our episodes, when we uh, ask to send an email or something, we can't always respond as efficiently as I would like, but we do read everyone. And you can always tell because our best episode ideas come from you. And people say this is a free show, but it is not. I've said it before. I'll say it again. You're paying us with the most important currency that exists, your time, your attention, and your support. We cannot thank you enough, but we are sure going to try. Thank you.
For more on this topic and other unexplained phenomena, visit youtube.com slash conspiracy. You can also get in touch on Twitter at the handle at conspiracy stuff. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash concertweek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash concertweek to buy now. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.